0: All right, news to us. The week of October 18th, 2021, Jason needs a beard brusher for the video. His beard is looking a little bit bushy.
1: Mm, it needs to be tamed. The wild beast. Yeah, that thing is out of control.
0: Look at that thing. Mm-hmm. How did that thing get so out of control? Mm, I haven't brushed it. So do you brush your beard with a brush every morning or it's like it's like a horse? Every morning? Mane. I do.
1: Yeah. Mm hmm. Tonight, I have like a, I have a
0: beard brush. Oh, cool! We're gonna to talk to Jesse Philippe, congressional candidate in Florida, running to represent Florida's fifteenth district. He's a grassroots Democrat, Marine, and lawyer. Look at that! Wow, Marine. What have I done with my lawyer? I don't want to- <laughs> <laughs> what have I done with my life? Uh, well, you're a you're a political pundit, and that's very important mm. because uh, you know.
1: I'll be on uh, when, when your head is in the little CNN square next
0: week. That's right. When your head is in the little square, like it is on this show, uh, you are uh, an authority and you, <laughs> you are to be reckoned with
1: <laughs> my opinion matters.
0: We'll start the show tonight with the news roundup. Katie and Chris are both on assignment.
2: It's news to us. IW Radio.
0: I love how they always are on assignment when we have a, a big guest.
1: You know I can't share uh, Katie's assignment if you'd like.
0: Yeah, what is she working on, Katie?
1: <clears throat> um, Katie and I are coaching our daughter's basketball team this year once again. Well, okay, and she's in the call for all the coaches. So yeah. she's she's
0: on assignment. That's the assignment. The assignment is coaching a uh, a kids basketball league. That's pretty yeah. cool. You guys, yeah. How that have, does that make you feel? What do you mean? How does that make me feel? Can she do that when the that, show's not on?
1: How does it make <laughs> you feel that we're leading uh, America's youth? That's great. Hmm.
0: I think it's fantastic. There's no one better to lead America's youth.
1: Oh, thank you. That was
0: a glowing <laughs> endorsement. I love it. News roundup before we get to our big guest. Let's see what's happening. We'll look at the biggest stories and uh, you know some of these stories. Are also just kind of fun too. That's part of the news roundup. Here we go. Trump. Oh, wait, wrong
1: button. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's news to us. News roundup. Yee-haw! It wouldn't
0: be in it's news to us without hitting a wrong button at least once. So that's that's how you know we're professionals here. It's a live show. <laughs> live on AW live Radio. Show, folks. We are live. We should mention that more often we this show is live. So uh, when we mess up, say weird things. It's because we're live, live because the news happens now.
1: Now we're, we're more live than almost any other source of media. Currently. That's true. Uh, Colin Powell. Most are yeah. delayed. He uh,
0: Colin Powell, military leader, first black secretary of state. He died. T- uh, we, this was trending on Twitter today. That's, that's how I found out. I woke up this morning and saw that he was trending. And uh, sure enough, it's because he, had passed away. Sometimes when you see celebrities trending on Twitter, it's I always assume the worst. I always assume that they passed away, like I saw Bill Murray trending a few days ago. I was like, "No." Oh, really? But no, it was just like people were just talking about how great Bill Murray is. But then, you know, this happens from time to time, but uh Colin Powell did indeed pass away. 84 years old.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh he was a giant in the last uh half of uh the 20th century in the first part of the 21st century i mean he was as you said secretary of state um he led our forces in the first gulf war uh to liberate kuwait from iraq uh, first uh, african american uh joint chiefs of staff um at the pentagon like uh yeah he was uh one of the the better uh, leaders, I think, in our government. I think the you know the biggest uh, issue that people have is uh, his address the General UN Assembly, um, say, stating that uh, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. You know, and it's uh, also interesting
0: that you bring this up too, because our guest that we're going to be talking to later, uh, Jesse Philippe, he actually served in the Iraq War, so. Um, maybe we can ask him about how, how he feels about this. Or how yeah. he felt about, you know, the leadership. You know
1: what? Um and his uh, like, you know, after he resigned a couple years after uh we invaded, he was very critical about you know, the war effort in Iraq and surging troops and he said that it was one of the it was the biggest mistake he ever made in his life, giving that uh, address to the, the UN assembly. Is that the weapons of mass destruction? Yeah, which it was faulty faulty
0: intelligence, right?
1: Uh, that, At least that that, he addressed that.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I I need to study up on the Iraq War more, but yeah, it uh, I it was blamed on faulty intelligence, but there are also other ul- ulterior motives there as well with the oil.
1: Yeah, he said in uh, his uh, twenty twelve memoir. Uh, Quote, I am mad mostly at myself for not having smelled the problem. My instincts failed me. But, you know, it it, was by no means my first, but it was one of my most monumentous failures. The one with the widest ranging impact. The event will earn a prominent paragraph in my obituary. I mean, he knew like kind of what that was going to do to history. You know, like it was a big deal. Yeah, went uh, to war for the wrong reasons with the wrong country, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and and all the families that impacted here, home a lot, of, and there, home. and there, yeah, yeah. But um,
1: not a. But pretty, he did a lot of good, yeah. right? Like, what's us uh, something. Let's leave him on a good note. Um, <clears throat> out of the last four presidential elections, he uh endorsed the Democratic nominee. Even though
0: he's conservative or was conservative.
1: Was conservative. He uh, endorsed uh, Obama in 2008 and was part of uh, the chair of his inaugural committee, which is a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah, it
0: just seems like a reasonable guy. Uh, one of the... Um, I mean, he's kind of embodied how being conservative should be. You can be conservative identify with conservatism but if it starts to get off the rails you don't have to blindly follow I mean isn't
1: that what every American should be though like yeah absolutely blindly following any
0: party like but I bring that up specifically because we see conservatives with the cult of Trump
1: and speaking of he was adamantly against uh, the insurrection of January 6th and then denounced his Republican affiliation that he was no longer Republican after that. Wow, I I it miss was very that. outspoken as he should be because that
0: what happened on January sixth. Uh, we are still processing, and it was uh, it was an attack on the Capitol from perpetrated by conservative leaders within Congress and also the President of the United States, conservative, uh, you know, or then President.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, and just uh, it seems so stupid. But I'm going to bring it up because it, it's relevant, but I, I have like a leadership, a virtual leadership conference tomorrow for your um, day job for my for, for my day job. As a door-to-door and vacuum Powell, cleaner salesman. Colin Powell was a uh, featured speaker. What? For the event. Yeah, like tomorrow? So I don't know. I'm sure they re- Yeah, it's tomorrow, so I'm sure they recorded it. Holy I wonder crap. if they're going to play it. So it was pre-recorded. Or was it... I have to assume, right? Like, that has to be. Well, so he died
0: due to complications with COVID, and I would assume he wouldn't agree to a speaking engagement knowing he was sick.
1: No, I think he started feeling ill last week. It should also be noted that he was fighting uh, multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of the plasma cells. So COVID was not... I mean, he he had a... Uh underlying health issue so right. he was fighting cancer and COVID just um, you know, immunocompromised and fully
0: vaccinated too by the way so he yeah was he was vaccinated. actually
1: scheduled to get his booster shot uh, at the end of last week from what I, my sources have said alright news roundup continues what
0: else it's news to us news roundup Yee- Um should we wait for the weird stories to the end of the show? Maybe we should. Let's, let's talk about uh this lawsuit that Trump is filing to keep the January
1: 6th documents from Congress.
0: How about that? I didn't I didn't hear about this yet.
1: Oh yeah. So um there's a uh 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 House committee looking into and investigating the uh January sixth insurrection they uh, subpoenaed and um, the National Archives and the White House for documents from DJT's administration surrounding the January 6th insurrection. And DJT filed a lawsuit claiming executive privilege. Um filed a lawsuit today saying that the investigation was coming after him and it was too broad and wham, wham, wham. Don't look at my Don't look at my notes Wham. That's official Cause you know he, he Behaves like
0: an innocent person all the time With these lawsuits
1: <clears throat> Yeah <laughs> and The Biden administration uh, Gave the go ahead uh, For them to release the documents And basically DJT is just trying to fight them He's got nothing better to do I mean, got, He really he, doesn't
0: How many lawsuits I wonder does he have Going on right now that guy is like i don't know he's got I, a, like a million lawsuits
1: he did have to go under oath today uh oh, to really? provide testimony uh regarding a lawsuit from demonstrators from 2015 that were protesting outside of the trump tower what was so he had what he, so he had what was he testifying about over that um i don't well i wasn't in the room so i you i don't there? know for sure <laughs> hmm. Wasn't there.
0: Well, you were supposed to be there today. That's why we got you that press pass. And what what the hell were hmm. you doing? You're at In-N-Out uh, Burger. You got stuck in the line.
1: In-N-Out Burger? For an that hour was, and a half. Hour, oh, man. It was, it was brutal. It was a six-hour wait. Yeah. I got I, that burger, though. Yeah. But yeah, he had to testify in that uh, litigation. I mean, this guy's wrapped up in litigation. I, I don't even know how lawyers agree to like represent him anymore I mean he's notorious for stiffing you know people that work for him lawyers contractors on his hotels like we've covered this uh mm-hmm. extensively throughout this uh show show's history right like stiffing contractors that were working on his casinos that went bankrupt and the shutdown he didn't even he didn't even pay Rudy Giuliani for yeah. the work that he did quote unquote work he, like he stiffs everyone like why would you agree to represent this guy or work with this guy I wouldn't do anything for this guy I mean that,
0: nothing nothing he's not gonna I wouldn't even deliver the guy McDonald's via uber eats
1: you wouldn't I was gonna ask if you would because think about he it he would stiff me I wouldn't yeah. get paid and then you know he leave you a bad review too on top of it <laughs> food was cold. Man child he's a man child. He is. He really is. People (laughs) love him. News to us.
0: News roundup. Before we get our guest on, we're very excited to talk to our guest, Jesse Philippe. He's a congressional candidate running for Florida's 15th district. Uh, okay. This is like a really bad thing. I I don't know how you recover from something like this, but a guy accidentally taped over his wedding video. It was like on cassette tape or something. And for uh, the 30th anniversary with him and his wife, his wife popped in the, the videotape and, uh, this, this actually happened. So we have some audio and video. So here's what happened here. There's the wedding. <laughs> and then it cuts to cops. <laughs>
1: <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, ooh.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gotta
1: give me my cops.
0: Got He taped over the wedding with the cops. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was before people backed up videos on the cloud in a million different places it was like literally on a VHS tape when people would record TV shows on VHS but how do you get that mixed up because you'd think that the wedding video would be a really important video so you'd have it in a special place maybe the
1: label maybe maybe the label rubbed off you think the label rubbed off yeah remember like you used to have to sharpie on the 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 label of the tape yeah but if you're reaching for a tape to
0: record, I don't know. It just seems like a really big mistake. He must've really what not been it, paying attention. I mean, what if it was just a blank tape and he had no idea? Well, wouldn't you Mark
1: on the tape wedding 1985 I or whatever? I mean, clearly <laughs> that was marked somehow. Cause the wife knew which tape to try to watch. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think this guy just was not paying attention at all. And, um, Or he was like, "Ah, I lived it. Why do I need to watch it?" (laughs) I yeah. Um, I don't blame him. Like, yeah.
0: Do people watch their wedding videos often? I wonder. Like, is that do you watch any?
1: Okay, any videos like of uh, monumental importance in your life? Have you ever gone back to watch those videos? No. Have you? Do you have any desire to?
0: No. Yeah. Like I know there's video of me like graduating high school or whatever in college. And I don't want to watch that. Why would I? Why would I watch that? How boring. I was bored out of my mind being there. Why would I want to be bored again?
1: Um. Well, at least you were drunk for him, right? <laughs> no, I was not. What? Uh, yeah, you were. No, I was not. Yeah. 100% were. I
0: was, was your mom not.
1: and dad listening right now.
0: No, I seriously was not. I was not at all. Um, you was that just me? Yeah, I think so. I, I yeah. Ooh. oh yeah, because you drove. Yeah, I was not. responsible. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, we'll be right back. We have more uh, coming up here on its news to us, including our guest. I'm going to talk to him next, Jesse Philippe. He's going to be running for, or he is running actually for Congress to represent Florida's 15th district. He's a Democrat, Marine, a lawyer, and we'll see what he's up to and talk about uh, everything he's passionate about and working on and his big campaign next on it's news to us.
1: It's news to us. 2022 midterms coverage continues.
0: All right, we're back here live on Adobe radio. It's news to us. And uh, we're very excited to bring on our guest this week. He is running for Congress to represent Florida's 15th district. His name is Jesse Philippe, and uh, he is a grassroots Democrat, Marine, and lawyer, and uh, he's live with us right now. How's it going? Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing pretty good. Uh, where are you right now? Are you in the, the campaign headquarters?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in the middle of traveling from because um, our district's pretty big. So we it encompasses Polk County, and um, Hillsborough County and Lake County. So, right now I'm in Polk County, headed back to Hillsborough, and so I stopped by somewhere so I could talk to you guys tonight.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to to, uh, to you know out of your busy schedule. I'm sure you have a lot going on. How's how's the campaign? So you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> I we'll, we'll get into like your campaign and some policy that you're thinking about, but. We we'll like to get to know our guests on a personal level first, if you don't mind. So, uh, if yeah, what's what's the last movie that you watched?
2: Oh uh, man, I don't think I could say that. It's kind of <laughs> radar movie. Uh, a <laughs> like Disney movie or something? Um, <laughs> it's a good movie I just watched. Um,
0: it's okay if nothing comes to mind. I mean.
2: You know, I was watching the My Duck series because there's a show on Disney Plus, and no plus for Disney here. But it was a show, and I was trying to catch up, so I ended up watching D1, D2, Mighty Ducks.
0: I haven't seen those movies in so long. Do they hold up, or are they, uh, or do they not hold up?
2: Actually, they hold up pretty well. I mean, oh. I know I just aged myself, because you know, but <laughs> they hold pretty well. You
0: know? Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't seen those in so long. They there's, is the series good? Have you seen that, Jason, I, on Disney Plus?
1: Yeah, I, I think I watched uh, D One and D Two with my daughter. Oh, okay. Like I, I go back and watch the old old movies that I loved as a child with my my kid. So I love uh, going back to those, and she loves most of them. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah those. Are, do you have any kids?
2: No children. I have no kids.
0: Is that uh, something you're ever interested
2: in, or? I do my significant other would definitely be interested in that. Oh, they have a choice in the matter. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we know how that goes. All right, so here's a, a kind yeah. of a, a weird question. If you, if you could choose to do anything for a day, anything at all for an entire day, what would it be?
2: Anything for a day, like hobby-related or work-related?
0: Well, I guess either. Like if you had the choice of having an entire day to do whatever you want.
2: What would I do? I, you know, I'd be playing music. I love music, so I'll oh, cool. be jamming on my drums or guitar. You know, I like making people happy, so you playing like music for people.
0: Drums and guitar—that's pretty cool. Are you—are you good at uh, both or either? Or?
2: I think well, any musician's gonna take—he's pretty good, you know. But my girlfriend and my mom would disagree because <laughs> I've been a rock star.
0: <laughs> did you did you want to be a rock star when you like were a kid? Did you think that'd be something fun?
2: Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean I was fifteen years old and um, I thought I would be like the biggest rock star out there, you know. Have my drum set, my my flying toms and just playing away. That's awesome. A, great.
0: <laughs> well instead you so at fifteen you thought you'd be this big rock star, but instead you decided to enlist in the Marine Corps. Just a couple of years after your rock star dreams were about to come true. They're about to come true. You're about to be a rock star. Then you're like, I'll be a Marine instead.
2: Yeah, so when I joined the United States Marine Corps when I was eighteen and um the reason why I joined the Marines is because once you know I kind of I was about to graduate and i was like what can i do to help people because it's kind of what my biggest um thing that i realized in high school that's what i love to do the most when i did a lot of community organizing and so i went out and i looked at all the branches and you know i saw the marines do a lot we had choice for tots i don't know if you're familiar with that the marines do a lot in the community for people so i decided that would be where i can best serve and continue to serve people so i chose the marine corps
0: and the overall, uh, so you were in for six years, right? Yes. And um, what what do you think your experience is like if you were to sum it all up? I know that's like kind of hard to do because I'm sure a lot happened, including uh, you served in Iraq as well. But what was your overall um, experience and takeaway? Do you think it's something you would do again?
2: Will I do it again? No, I'm getting, I'm way too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) If if I was 18, yeah, I'll do it because honestly, I, where I learned to some, some of my six years in the Marine Corps, you should always give back to people. I mean, no matter what you do in life, for me, well, the biggest sense of joy I ever got was giving back to people. So uh, Marine Corps taught me that and continued to build that inside me while I was in service. So I'm going to continue to do that for the rest of my life.
0: That's, that's great. Now, I, I know that uh, your state of Florida has a really big veteran population, and I think it's the third yes. largest in the United States. So how will you give back to veterans once you're elected?
2: So I can only speak to the experience that I had when I got out of the military. One of the biggest things that I noticed when I was um, leaving the military was that we essentially had no kind of programs to help transition people from the military life to civilian life. So what we ended up doing was um, we created a plan. Well, let me backtrack. I was in college, I, saw, I had, saw this need. And so I worked with my professor in the public policy program at my um, college, which is St. Pete College. And we developed a program to help transition vets into the, to the college. And so we worked hand in hand with the veterans community at the local St. Pete College. And essentially, what the plan was is when someone got out, we walked them and talked to them of the classes that transitioned from the military service to civilian service. And we walked them in those classes to help them build that gap. And so we implemented the plan that we thought was a great plan. And uh, I'm not sure they still use it, but I know a decade ago when I created it, it was a great plan. And those are some of the things I want to bring in Congress. I want to bring plans like that because what really helps, what really hurts veterans um, when they get out of service is the lack of ability to find a job and also to find the education and the training because you know when you're in the military service, you're constantly moving and what happens is a lot of people don't realize that you don't really have stability and being in the civilian wars the first time veterans get that real stable situation and so a lot of veterans have a struggle to transition into that and so that's what I believe I can make in Congress bring more programs like that to help that transition.
1: Mm. When you were uh, talking to a recruiter like before you signed up was one of the selling points like that transition like you're going to learn things in the you know in the Marines or in the military that you know you can use in your civilian life when you get out like you will it'll establish you for moving forward because I feel like I've had friends that have served that that was one of the selling points is they would learn a skill set that they could take into civilian life. Is that something that you were promised uh, during the recruitment or is that something that's common practice? Do you know of?
2: Well, so a lot of recruiters, I mean, a lot of recruiters are, you know, taking a lot of 18 year olds and they're trying to frame a life for them. Um, a lot of times because they don't have a sense of framing themselves. And so a lot of um, recruiters do promise a lot of um, new recruits uh, a framework of how their life could be if they decide to serve. Uh, for me, I was also promised that. But for me, what I, the things that I got most from service was um, essentially tools that I needed to you know, give back to my community. Um, that was something that was kind of the the common theme Uh, no matter where I went in the service or where, what job I did, it was that common theme of giving back to individuals and people. Mm.
0: Uh, We're talking to Jesse. Philippe is running for Congress to represent Florida's 15th district. The midterms are going to be here before we know it. I know we're, we're a little bit a ways away, but actually not that really. I mean, with how fast time yeah. is moving. It's already October. Uh, the primaries in your district are August, right? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, may I pushed back a little bit because of COVID.
0: Okay. But it should be
2: around that time.
0: And um, one of your opponents, his name is Eddie Geller. I was looking at uh, seeing what he was up to. You know, he's a former comedian. I was seeing it. Yeah. And it looks like he uses a lot of sense of humor in his campaign uh what do you what do you think of his approach uh, to the issues and where do you think you and him differ the most
2: um well when you say his approach i'm assuming his way he's marketing of his campaign
0: Um, yeah i mean he's a little bit more humor i know that you take more of an earnest approach and uh, his i mean there's nothing i'm not saying one is better than the other i'm just like wondering what maybe you think and also by the way he's he's another democratic candidate So you guys will be on the primary ballot together. Um, So uh, at the end of the day, you're on the same team. But what do you think of his approach and where do you differ?
2: So his approach is very um, it's it's not it's new, but not new. You know, it it happens, um, you know, I guess in the times that we live in, we live in a very hostile situation where you have both sides who are coming, you know, for each other. Next, it looks like every day. It's good to have humor because that ultimately, I think both sides want to come together for the good of America. Um, so I don't, so I understand the approach of trying to show like, hey, you know, you know I'm very humorous and, this, and we live in a time where we need to start being more humorous and toward each other. Um, I get it. I take the different approach. I'm very like, uh, taking your words, earnest because I believe we are in serious times. I mean, I live in the my district, you know, we have a lot of small business owners and a lot of small business owners are hurting hurting rapidly because of COVID. We have, you know, healthcare issues, there are so many people right now who are not protected under Obamacare and they need access to healthcare. So for me I take an approach a little more seriously because I understand the dire need for many people in our district to get the resources that they have been lacking.
0: Do you think that there is a point where the humor can only go so far?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I always like to laugh. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, we all like to laugh, I mean, as anybody else.
2: But these are some serious like laugh, issues. Laugh. Yeah. yeah, but the thing with comedians is, it's great for an hour, you know. Yeah, all great comedy shows come to an end, and <laughs> yeah. when it comes down to coming, you know, home. To like, to bills and your lights coming off, and you know you're having issues such as your mom is sick, and she can't afford you know the medical bills. That's when the human stops, and we have to get serious about fixing people um, issues in their lives, and that's the point of government anyway.
0: Right, right, and um, well, and also uh, Eddie Yeller, you're welcome to come on the show too. I, 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 again, I don't think that one approach. Is better than the other, but you are right. I agree that at some point, it's time to like roll up your sleeves and get more serious about uh, what's happening. But we all need to laugh at the same time. I mean, even on this show, like we try to like be a little bit lighthearted about very serious issues. So it's it's hard to balance that for yeah. sure. Uh, so yeah, there, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: then. No, go ahead. That was it. For sure, it is hard to balance. But the reality is. For me, the balancing act comes when I talk to people all across my district and they're talking about issues that really, really affect their lives. I mean, that's when I, you know, the humor, it starts becoming humorous when you start seeing, you know, the effects of a lack of ha- access to health care. When you have infrastructure, you have potholes all throughout the district. I mean, there's people who can't even come out of their, their driveway because there's potholes everywhere. And we're sitting arguing in Congress about infrastructure bill. You know, those are things that affect the way people lives, but we don't really talk about it, and we can't. Just sometimes just joke and laugh, like, "Oh, you know, you know, look at me, I'm running for Congress." At some point, we got to be like, "It's not about us; it's about what's affecting every single person in the district."
0: Absolutely, yeah, and you know, there's actually a lot of um, irony in all of that too. You're you're mentioning potholes and all this, and all these uh, these issues that we have with health care. But the irony is, like, we, we are the, the richest nation in the world, and these really shouldn't yeah. be problems, which is exactly. just... That's the most frustrating part about all of this to me. is We have all this yep. wealth and resource, but we don't use it properly. And um, we need people in office who are going to figure out mm-hmm. how, to, how to use our resources wisely. And it's, it's, it's so disappointing that, that we even have to talk about... Um, universal health care or potholes or clean drinking water in America? Like what the hell is going on?
2: <laughs> I always tell people, it's like the our government stopped working 50 years ago. <laughs> we had a lot of seems like in the 1950s the 60s, they had a lot of like great ideas. And then our government just stopped working. And it's yeah. been, it hasn't worked for a long time. So it's, you know, I mean, we got to think about this way. We have one of the oldest congresses. And probably in US history. We got one of the oldest and richest Congress. Right. The so a lot of the people in Congress right now can't even talk to some of the issues that face millennials like hike hike that they can't afford a house, that student loan, student loan interest. You know, these are the things that that generation did not have to encounter, that we do. And so it's so it's it's like you're governing, it's like you're playing baseball but you're playing baseball in 1920 when it's 2021 with data analytics and everything out there. So I just feel like some of the people who are there, it, you know, it's time to transition, um, you know, to deal with the modern issues. I mean, it's just, this is a rally. And every country always goes to these changes. And I think it's right now it's time for our generation to step up in the leadership and change.
1: Speaking of well, if you're, yeah, if you're elected, um, What's the first like issue or priority that you would yeah. want to tackle in office?
2: Well, for me, it, the first priority that I, I think that affects everyone is healthcare. Um, that's to me that outside of student loans, that's the second highest bill, in most people' homes are just paying medical costs. And but I think that we have to continue to not only stop start at, stop at healthcare, we have to do things like infrastructure. Because all that stuff so my policies are really geared towards how do we make sure that we relieve the stress from middle class people and lower class people. A lot of people don't understand the middle class right now, there is none. It's like non existent. Either you have something or you don't. And that has to change. We have to bring more people into the middle class. And how you do that is you have to tackle some of the inefficiencies of government like access to healthcare, like infrastructure and like student loan payments.
0: What, what is you, what's your take on speaking of middle-class, what's your take on all these worker strikes we're seeing? Um, well, I, I mean, it's not an official worker strike, but people yeah. are quitting their jobs in record numbers cause they're tired of working for low wages yeah. and really shitty jobs. I mean, how do we, uh, how do we address that situation?
2: Well, I mean, I think you're talking about the report. It was like four point three million people who quit their jobs um, last quarter, I believe. Right. And the, the jobs numbers report. Which for me, what I see that and how you res- how you resolve an issue like that is sorry, dealing with the issues. The issue is this, this is two folks. One, you've had an American system where it's pop where profits margins are essentially what drives businesses. And once that became the the model in terms of success for company it's been all about making sure we keep our profit margins and what ended up happening is a lot of workers has been stepped on in that process so you've seen a lot of workers having to take $7 paying jobs $8 paying jobs while the company is bringing in $30 billion in profits and the corporate CEO is making $15-$20 million so you've had this gap been happening for the last 50-60 years where it's becoming more and more profits and less and less about the worker even though that's the complete opposite of why we haven't had union strikes but we've been going down that, that direction and the second thing is through automation most jobs right now are being automized out you have a lot of people who can't find a job worth um pretty much worth the salt because the reality is the a lot of the lower income entry-level jobs are being replaced by computers and so as a government is it goes back to my original theme where essentially you have people you have the government, excuse me, for the last 50, 60 years creating policies as if it's 1950, 1960 when in 20, 2022 you're going to be dealing with issues like jobs transforming you have EV coming out so you're going to have a lot of manufacturing jobs going away, you have Walmart if you go to your Walmart at night you see, you used to see like six tellers, now you see one and they're just monitoring six things so as, you, as companies transition more and more into technology, less and less jobs will be available for people. And for me, how you tackle that in Congress is by understanding that you need things like UBI, universal-based income, and you need things such as competitive marketplaces to help the American people, especially in the middle class.
0: I know that, uh, yeah, Jason, you're actually, I mean, really going through this in your day job, too, uh, with... Um not being able to attract workers. Do you think he hit the nail on the head there? I mean, you definitely explained the problem. Um, And I, the solution I agree with as well, Jason, what what do you feel? What do you feel? I know this is something that's really bothering you lately.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as someone who has to hire and train staff, I mean, every business out there that's public facing is, is trying to hire workers. And a yep. lot of folks don't want to do those jobs anymore. A, because of low wages or B, because of safety. They don't want to be exposed to COVID and they're getting on with jobs that they can work from home. So like telecommuting, I think is another huge uh, factor in this, but I really think that people are getting sick of the, the, the gap, the wealth gap from the top 1% to the, the working class. It's just, and I, I really like how you put it, you know, we have uh policymakers that have been doing this for thirty or forty years, and they they continue to make the the same policies and they just don 't understand what 's happening or affecting you know the average American trying to make a living for his family or her family
2: yeah so I take it so that's perfect um in terms of explaining the problem so we have small business owners right now who are struggling to hire workers and it is a telecommunication problem because the reality is if you can do a job from home, most people are going to take it. But what are we doing to incentivize people to leave home and go back to work? We're, we haven't created plans or programs for that. Uh, most people are not incentivized to go back to work because they're in a system where if they do go back to work, um, they're worried about gas costs. They're worried about who's going to watch my child. Who's, and these are all right. things that government can do to help that burden to a lot of people to go back to work because the reality is we're in a new time and covid has changed the trajectory of America and we have to start understanding if we don't come up with policies that are going to be effective for 2020 and beyond then we're going to be left behind because I'm the you know China has started doing it and many other countries are starting to do it we Amer- as Americans, we're we're last to do the transition. And I, I feel like we're at this boiling point where we have both sides arguing about one wants to keep it the same and the other side is saying that we need to change because what's going to happen is the income gap is going to keep growing and keep growing. There's going to be more and more people out of jobs. So we definitely have to find a solution. And like I said, I believe UBI is a solution um, that supplements income so people don't feel the need and necessity to have to Get the $15, 18 $20 job, which helps small business owners to cover costs. Because, I mean, if you ask any small business owner, majority of their income, um, excuse me, majority of their costs come from workers. And so UBI can help that. And you have different programs that can also help that.
0: It's interesting, too, uh, because UBI, it sounds like this really strange socialist concept. But uh, when yep. we look at, um, walmart for example there's been a lot of reports of in their in their break rooms that they'll have pamphlets and information on how people can sign up for food stamps and well while they're meanwhile paying their workers unlivable wages so um i don't know to me it sort of puts the power into the people's hands a little bit more and um and helps out the small business owner for UBI. So I think I agree with you there on UBI. I, I just sure. don't I don't just don't know how much or like what the cutoff is, but I guess that's for economic, I mean, economic. yeah, go ahead.
2: For a lot of people they, that's their biggest issue with UBI. They don't understand it. I, I tell people if you want to understand UBI, just look what we did in the past year with COVID. Essentially the government came in and we simulated the economy with fourteen hundred dollar checks um every quarter of last year. So essentially, UBI is doing that. Instead of doing it for four months out of the year, we do it for 12 months. And we find a – on our website, we're going to come out with the actual detailed plan that shows you the monthly income it takes to replace a lot of the entitlement programs and also different programs to help the middle class. Um, so if anyone that says UBI socialism or it doesn't work, I just point to them last year's We did that. We did it four times last year in the, um, through the stimulus plan.
0: And also, we spend a lot of money with um, on de- on defense, uh, national defense, and that's yes. a lot of wasted money that I personally feel like should be going to social programs. But um,
2: I know. Can that I say we- we- two things on that
0: defense thing? Oh please, yeah, I would absolutely love your opinion. Yeah, on yeah, that. yeah,
2: yeah. So that's I'm in the military, so I can speak to this. Yeah. so we spend almost close to 785 million dollars on defense spending. I think it's even more than that, but it's close to a billion dollars. And for me, when you look at the way the military has been run lately, you can see that since the way it's the military is conducting its operations is from, like I told you, 1950-1960. So, as you can see, the the military resources, as it's currently constructed, is not needed. Um, The new warfare is cyber warfare, so most people we need to spend money in the military to fix cyber warfare. Remove our money from big t- armored tanks and guns and weapons, and start thinking: what is the new frontier of war? And to me, that is that's in cyber, and that literally can pretty much reduce the defense spending by ten or twenty percent. I get rid of all this weaponization and and old school military gear from um, that was required fifty years ago. Is not as required now,
0: right? And we end up selling these. The, these tanks and all of this, these weapons to people who maybe shouldn't have them, which is really weird too. Like the whole way it works out, you know, with the military industrial complex. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to get your take on that. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Uh, Jesse Philippe, he's running for Congress to represent Florida's 15th district. And Jason, did you have any, uh, I, Jason had a lot of questions. Yeah, like uh, so many questions for you. I know we can't get to them all, uh, but before we let you go, you're being very generous with your time.
1: Uh, Jason, did you have any last questions or anything? You uh, I mean, I like back to the labor, you know, issues that we're, we're seeing. like, do you see that? Like I see that getting worse over the next like five years. It's, it's going to get worse. Like, do you think that we're going to be able to get out of this? Like, do you think we're going to be able to govern our way and make things better for the average worker? Because, to me, from my position, I think it's going to only get worse with the infighting between the two parties. Then they're not getting anything done to the for the American people. I don't think they will until something really bad happens. So, just want to know your take, like where you see this going.
2: Um, To answer your question, if we continue to create policies the way we're creating them, it's going to get worse because the reality is they're not being, they're not, the bosses are coming out not even addressing the issues. The issues are literally how do we get people to go back to work? And we have done zero to incentivize people where we're saying, hey, let's pay 15 bucks an hour, but then we're not talking about childcare. Let's pay 15 bucks an hour or we're not talking about transportations and the. I mean I don't know about you guys but if we've seen gas lately it's like almost 60 bucks to go anywhere so we're not addressing those issues but yeah we're trying to fix an issue with essentially by paying more workers more and that's to me that's, that's a step but that's not the ultimate solution and the reality is like you said it is going to get worse because we don't really have in power right now new generation leadership who are who are actually in the midst of the problem and who actually provide solutions. And for me, a solution one of the solutions is UBI. And I keep harping on that because I know that supplemental income will get people back to work because the reality is most people right now, and I'm just being honest, a lot of people right now are not working because they are still on unemployment benefits and they were being paid more than they were actually getting paid when they were working. And so that's the problem. That's an inequality. What, how you address that is by providing a BI program, which gives people a baseline. And then for, once they have that baseline, require them to go back to work. And then guess what? They don't need the 15 or 18 or 20 apple you know, whatever number you want to come up with um, hourly because they have a supplemental income as long with the, the jobs are already currently there.
0: That's interesting, and I, I also, uh, on top of that, believe in the power of unions and uh, workers coming together to fight for what's right. When especially you see all these stories coming out, is it what? What is the 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 factory right now that's having these issues? Is it? Uh, I don't. It's like a food manufacturing. Is it? Uh, no, it's John Deere. John Deere is the one that's latest in the news. Uh, they have a workers' strike going on right now because. They posted like all these crazy profits, but they are barely offering their uh, employees any sort of incentive or raise. And, um, you know, the whole thing is just messed up and just uh, it's, it's really a hard thing to tackle too, especially when the money in politics is coming from those at the top of the food chain. So uh, th- okay. thank you for trying to tackle all of this and all of these important issues. And I know that it's going to be something that plays out for generations most likely, but uh, it's got to start somewhere. So uh, thank you for putting yourself out there and, and trying to do it. We, we appreciate that. And um, where can people find well, out yeah. more, more about your campaign?
2: Well, if you guys want to get in the fight, um, just go to JessePhilippe.com, J-E-S-S-E-P-H-I l-i-p-p-e dot com and um, just go to our website help contribute if you can contribute um, we, we love suggestions, we have a suggestion box there, um, but like you were saying, I mean this is it's a generation fight right now and it's a generation, uh, generational fight because it's, I think it's time for us to have changing of the guard and if it takes people like myself to run out there and stick my neck out there, then that's okay, but we need more people like me to keep going out there, like Eddie Gellier Eddie Gellier. Sorry, I put your name. <laughs> um, and more people like, you know, Allison. We need more people like that because reality is, you know, 19, 50, 60 years ago, they were our age. Joe Biden was, I don't know, 24 and, you know, Nancy Pelosi was like 30 something years old. They were our age and they took over the government and they brought progressive things and changed the government. And now it's our turn to take over and make sure we push our country forward
0: yeah and you know that's the thing that's on all of our side is um whether we like it or not is time time is the ultimate changing of the guard we're all going to die at some point these people who are older and in power uh thank you for their service but you know they're not going to be around forever so somebody else has to step in with some good ideas i agree um well, thanks again. We appreciate you being on the show and I hope that we can catch up with you before the, the big primary and then of course uh, after you win that, we'll talk to you then too. I hope to check in a couple more times.
2: Well, definitely. Thank you guys for um, allowing me to be here today. For great, 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 great things about your show. And I, and I really was excited to be here. I even stopped at some random place and I was like, you know, I'm going to go see these guys. Oh, thank um, you. So, <laughs> so we definitely, I we look forward to working with you guys and making sure we keep you guys, um, you know, informed about what we're doing because we really understand the message takes a village, not just one or two people. So thank you so much and appreciate the time.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great thank evening and uh, take care. All right. See you guys all right see it there's jesse <clears throat> jesse philippe uh all right we'll hit a break unless you have anything to
1: anything to wrap it up jason did you have a final thought <sighs> i love his optimism like he knows what he's facing like as running for public office but he was optimistic about the parties coming together like yeah I don't know if I act, I share that same optimism, but you know, I can appreciate it. in others. We'll be right back.
0: It's the news to us live on IW radio, follow the show on Twitter. If you haven't yet, it's the news to us also on Instagram, same thing and podcasts uh, podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Of course, we're live on IW radio every Monday and uh, throughout the week as well. And, um, Alright, uh, to wrap it up, let me see... Jeez, I don't even want to get to any of these stories. Unless- <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? I mean, we have like these strange stories that came up, just random things. Is there anything that's not on the prep sheet that maybe you were thinking about or maybe you wanted to mention before we call it a show? Here, anything?
1: Um, Nothing. <laughs> uh, Nothing of lightheartedness. You know, there's like oh, serious okay. things out there, but I don't want to end the show like that, you know? Okay. Well then I can play. Let's get get lighthearted. Let's get some funny in here. All right. Just real quick. We'll end the show
0: with something stupid that happened. Love it. This is a really dumb thing. I'm just trying to pick what stupid thing to talk about because after we had that great conversation with our guest, I just don't want to, you know, pick the wrong thing. I don't like either of these stories you know, I really don't like any of these stories for this week. I have to say, but there are things to get to next week and
1: uh, and, in the weeks coming. So that's all I will. I have one final question for you before we wrap it up. Yeah. Did you watch William Shatner go to space? That's a good thing
0: to bring up. I did. I did watch that. Yeah.
1: what do you think about Bezos Um, walking him up the ladder Sealing him up in the capsule. Like, what do you think about him? Like, interjecting and, himself and into wearing
0: a space suit, even though he didn't go into space. By the way, Do you think he like always wears a spacesuit from now on? I mean, why not? A spacesuit's a onesie. Let's be honest. What I thought about it, honestly, is I'm tired of seeing rich people go to space. I just like rolled my eyes. And by the way, you know William Shatner, 90 years old. They say the oldest man in space. But he was up there for two minutes, and he's not an astronaut he He went on this rocket that a billionaire created, and I'm sorry, I don't have respect for that as much as I would a ninety year old actual scientist going up into space. scientists go into space, not just for
1: fun when you have a million bullshit. dollars. bullshit if a ninety year old scientist was sent to space a, the news wouldn't even cover it. Yeah. P, if they did, you wouldn't watch it. But that's the, that's the horrible thing, isn't it? You're right. And that's horrible. You wouldn't even care. You wouldn't even blink at it. You'd be like, ah, move on. It's
0: not, I wouldn't no, no scroll Nobody, scroll. Would, nobody would, nobody right. would care. Don't put it but, on me. Nobody would care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Yeah. confess that you watched, uh, Bill Shatner go to don't call him bill. You don't know him,
0: like uh, you're not on a first name basis with this guy, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Bill. Hey, went, I watched. I watched you go to space, Bill. He came down, and then Jeff Bezos also greeted him when he came. Uh, like Jeff Bezos, like held his arms as he
1: stepped off on the stairs, and like I can't believe you watched that live. What is wrong with you? What What happened? Um, I was bored. I had
0: it just so happened. I had a little bit of downtime, and then I watched just as William Shatner landed and Bezos, he like ushered him out of the capsule and then cameras were on both of them. And basically William Shatner was just like talking about how he's like, Oh, Oh, there was blue. And then it went black. Everybody needs to see this. Oh, it's like, didn't you see that on the starship enterprise a hmm. billion times?
1: You still didn't answer the question on why you felt compelled to watch that live. It was bizarre. Bizarre. It was mm, to
0: gotcha. see to see a ninety year old William Shatner go to space and then be greeted by the richest man in the world on this little capsule. The whole thing is just bizarre. I I, I don't space tourism I feel like there's better things you could be doing with your time and money, Jeff Bezos. Honestly. All right. Uh, Bye, everyone. We'll be back next time. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey.